This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing, the official brew of Steeler Nation tailgates. Crack a Stoney's, pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G. Stryker, and with us is the head administrator of SteelerNation.com. We are lucky to have Justin McGonigal with us today. How you doing, Justin? I'm great. How are you doing? I've been pretty good. I know you've had a baby, so I wanted to congratulate you on, on your new son and your newborn son, and uh, hope you're getting some sleep, and hope you're uh, still uh, up, up and uh, have enough time to talk about the Steelers. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, he's doing well. He's sleeping some, so that's great. Got some help, so that helps out. <laughs> that's great. And uh, I know um, you're very active on SteelerNation.com. You're very active on Twitter, which is uh, the Twitter Take Nation at, at SteelerNation on Twitter and Instagram as well, at SteelerNation.com. And it's great to have those outlets for Steeler fans because I know we have such a great resource with the forum site on SteelerNation.com. So it's nice to have you here. It looks like everything's running great on the site. It looks like we're getting a lot more articles as well. So that's fantastic. And it's uh, good to have you here on the podcast. So, yeah, the, it's good to be here. Awesome. So the the first thing I guess I, I wanted to get into is uh, this is our first podcast of the off season. I know we've both been busy, both with uh, a life and traveling and babies, and so now we're finally going to be able to talk about some of the off season stuff that has happened with the team since the Super Bowl. Uh, the biggest one, and for me as a Steeler fan, you know, I've been alive for every single Steeler Super Bowl. Uh, so I have been a lifelong Steeler fan and this year has been the hardest year for me as a Steeler fan. It's kind of shaken me to my core, uh, so to speak. It's made it so it's been difficult for me to follow the Steelers and I'll obviously get into it because the biggest thing as a Steeler fan is, is we have so much love for our team. We have so much love for our players and honestly, my biggest love was Antonio Brown. He was my number one favorite player. I loved watching him. I loved tracking him. I, I honestly think he is the potential to be the next Jerry Rice athlete in the league. And it killed me when the Steelers traded him. And it seemed to me also when they traded him for essentially nothing, in my opinion, I, I thought it was a bad trade. They, you know, he had three years left on his contract. They had to eat $21 million and essentially got a third rounder and a fifth rounder for him. Um, I don't know what your feelings are on Antonio Brown. Um, I'd like to hear them, though, Justin. How are you feeling on Antonio? Well, I mean, Antonio forced his own hand. Uh, Mm -hmm. Personally, I loved Antonio Brown. It was great to watch him play. and All the sideline catches, you'll you'll never forget that stuff. Oh, I know. Uh, Yeah. There were several, several games he helped win. You know, you look back. Yeah, he was. Uh, the Packers game a couple years ago that, with that, that unbelievable yeah. catch on the sideline. Yeah, to get us in field goal range. It was uh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that boss for the 52-yarder. Yep. Or 53-yarder. But, uh, I mean, 
imagine if they wouldn't have traded him, what he would have got now. Like his value has just continued to plummet. I mean, even the the so or even the uh, mainstream media guys that were you know sticking up for him, bashing Ben Roethlisberger, have pretty much turned on him. And you know, most people were saying that they're the Raiders are in for a rude awakening when this guy gets going full force. Yeah, that's the only thing that I can think of as being value for the Steelers as an addition by subtraction um, um, idea because honestly, like you're getting rid of essentially the best receiver in the league might have been might and also the best receiver for the past decade essentially and he's done nothing oh, yeah. but hit 100 yard 100 receptions and over a thousand yards for every every pretty much every season since he became a starter and um oh, yeah the guys the guys unbelievable i'm you know there's no ifs ands or buts about how great of a player is yeah you know, it's just come to the point now where how can you deal with his antics he's you know he quit on the team. He quit on the fans. He, he quit on Coach Tomlin. He quit on the Roonies. You know, he wouldn't answer phone calls. I mean, can you imagine if your boss called you 20 times and you just ignored him? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's... And the Steelers did him a favor by not even docking him the final paycheck, you know? Yeah. So that was, you know, they threw him an olive branch right there. Yeah. And he pissed that away. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's super unfortunate on that end because I know uh, I just read Richard Mendenhall tweeting out, you know, his rant that uh, just posted online stating that, you know, what would keep Antonio Brown off of the field for the last game of the season. You know, obviously he was really upset with the team and kind of made it sound like it was Antonio Brown's decision that he didn't play the last game of the season when that was not the case. It was um, uh, mm-hmm. that was Coach Tomlin's decision. He didn't show up for the walkthrough on Saturday. Um, they dis and coach Tomlin, I believe Antonio Brown's, uh, agent Rose, uh, Rosenhaus, uh, reached out to, um, Mike Tomlin on Sunday morning saying his, his player was ready to play on Sunday. And he says, well, that ship has sailed, but please have him show up at the stadium before the game. They discussed before the game. I know Antonio Brown was at the game. He wanted to play. Uh, Mike Tomlin, I think did the right thing at that point stating you're not going to play for that game. Um, and he, he did sit out, but it wasn't Antonio Brown's choice. His only choice was he left at halftime. So I guess maybe that's on the, his way to saying that he walked out on the team for the last game of the season, but he didn't have a chance to play. I, I honestly think if the coach gave him a chance to play, he would have played the game and he would have played hard. Oh, yeah. There's, just what there's no doubt he would have played. He, he wanted to get his stats. Yeah, definitely so. did. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's a tough aspect. Um, but then you go around and, and see directly in the league you've got Odell Beckham Jr. with the Giants um and they just signed him to a brand new contract they they literally did a sign and trade which is also insane because he's also one of the top receivers in the league I don't think he has as much of a issues with um with the teams and and with the locker room as say an Antonio Brown does but the value that the Giants got for Odell Beckham, a first rounder, a third rounder, and Jabril Peppers being a, a really solid safety and a starting caliber safety um, for that trade. I mean, you got two players for <laughs> for two draft picks and two starters for two draft picks. So that, that ended up being a, a pretty good trade for them. And also with the Browns being markedly better, I mean, it's not like it's going to be a top 10 pick this year uh, for the first. Yeah, round. Well, I think you're you're looking at his age. You know, I think that's yeah. the big determining factor. Odell's twenty six. Oh, maybe he'll be thirty one. That's a great point. That's a great point, Justin. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think to even think of um, his age at that point, but uh, but that is that is right. And I, I mean, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, Odell, he still has five, five more better years, you know, to go. 
And that's the. I mean, not, not that anything has shown that AB is going to fall off a cliff or anything, but AB is still 31 years old. He's taken a lot of abuse, and yeah, you know, he's only he's had a couple of head injuries, and you know, getting more into head injuries, and whether he has effects from CTE at the moment, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, you can't speculate. I mean, on that's that, a theory. Some people. Yeah. Yeah. No. Some people say it's, but, it's CTE. Other people say it's more money. Um, more that's you, you become more of who you really are, as uh, Ryan Clark alluded to, and and some of his um, articles and and um, interviews about and points of view on Antonio Brown being a bad teammate. Um, just saying that you know more money also causes people that have bad personal makeup to to kind of magnify that. So, um, oh, so, yeah. so no again, doubt. yeah, like, like you were saying, and I'll reiterate it again, it, it's the only way I can kind of accept that trade in the 21 mil dead cap is, you know, you got rid of, of a guy that's basically an anchor of the ship and was, was bringing it down and, you know, keeping him on the team this year, it would have been a daily issue and with as active as he is in social media um, he's already willing, shown he's willing to go Facebook Live in the locker room. Um, you know, I, I know he's probably not going to do that again, but because I, I think he was probably threatening well, lines after that point. But there, there just has to be a line. Yeah, you know, and he he crossed the line. The Raider fans, I think, you know, the Raider fans are going to love him until he does stuff like this because he's he's personable. I've been around him. He's mm -hmm. personable. He's you know he talks to you. He'll go his way. You know. Because he wants you to love him. Because that's him. He wants everybody to love him. Yeah. So what happened with the Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster feud? I I know I didn't get to research that as much before our uh, podcast today, but I know you're very into the Twitter um, uh, goings on of the Steeler players. So, so can you tell me about kind of how that set up and and what's going on with that? It was the dumbest thing ever. Antonio posted a a picture, a screenshot of a DM that Juju sent him when he was in college, you know, politely asking him for, uh, for advice and, you know, tips as a young receiver coming into the league before he got drafted by the Steelers. Huh. Well, that's interesting. So then Antonio, Antonio deleted it because it made him look like more like an asshole. Because okay. it was just Juju being real nice. Yeah. And AB didn't even answer him. Yeah. Juju was a, pretty much a class act when he responded to it um, stating all I ever did was show that man love and respect from the moment I got into the league. I was genuinely happy for him when he got traded to Oakland with a big contract. And now he takes shots at me on social media question mark. Um, so that's uh, and then he follows up, I guess here also with crazy how big that ego got to be to take shots at people who show you love SMH for shake. My yeah. Head. So yeah, that's, and it's honestly, if you follow Juju Smith-Schuster on so social media, he's the complete antithesis of what Antonio Brown has been on social media. He's, it seems like he's been nothing but positive, fun, uh, outgoing, and really tries to do a, oh, yeah. a lot for, Doing everything for the fans, the fans as well. Yeah. So that's just a, a really interesting, it's interesting to me that once Antonio Brown has left the team, that he still has to feel that he has to take shots at the Steelers. Usually when, when players leave teams, even on bad um, terms, they usually do not talk about the team anymore once they've moved on and they try to move forward. That's just generally the, what you're used to seeing as a fan and as a sports fan and, and, oh, yeah. and following teams. Like, Maybe like one, they get like one shot on the way out. Yeah. Yep. 
and then they and then it's it. But it seems like Antonio is just going to keep taking some shots here. <laughs> Probably as the season progresses, yeah. probably if the Steelers are successful, if Juju Smith-Schuster has better stats than he does, uh, if oh yeah, Oakland loses, oh, yeah, which I'm they sure. have a history of doing, <laughs> I don't, I don't see him. Yeah, as, the, as being the a Raiders happy are definitely going to lose a lot of games. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger is ten times better than David Carr. Oh gosh, Carr, whatever one it is. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, he's a, he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback and i don't think Carr is even near there I, I think he's a i think Carr's a good quarterback i think i've seen him play excellent games and and he can be very accurate and get the ball to the people but on a consistent basis he just hasn't shown it so i think that's going to frustrate juju i mean you saw early in the season wow. last year where ben missed him on a wide open uh when he cut into the middle and then cut straight up the field he was wide open got to the sideline and he throws a gatorade cooler I mean, yeah. How many yeah, times is that gonna freaking happen in, for, in Oakland? Yeah, because he, I, oh, I, I yeah. know he did. Imagine when the yeah. and passes like Cordell Stewart into him. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> or worm burning right in front of him. I mean, that's that's really gonna frustrate him. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. you know, I, I I do honestly. I I hope he does well. I I always enjoyed watching him on the field, but you know, right now I, I've I've got to wash my hands of him, and I've I've got to thank you for helping me talk talk me through that. Because that's that was one of my biggest biggest problems with the team this year was my you know my absolute favorite player leaving, uh, my, another one of my favorite players who wore my wife's favorite number number twenty six, uh, Le'Veon Bell. We know that saga from last season. I, he obviously didn't report all season. It seemed like there was a chance he was going to report right around the deadline uh, at week ten, uh, but for some reason he then learned that he didn't have to report, so he didn't. So. Um, yeah, his his agents giving him terrible advice all all along, and then the fact that he didn't realize until a, a week before the deadline, he actually flew back to Pittsburgh and was ready to report. Yeah, but they didn't realize that he did not have to report for him to get a crude year. I mean that that's just terrible. Yeah, he's I feel bad for him to be honest with you because he got such horrible advice through away. Yeah, fourteen and a half million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And he gets a contract of less money than the Steelers offered him. You're one hundred percent. Yeah. And that's um and, and also the guaranteed money was not much different than what the Steelers were stating um on their mm -hmm. contract. I mean, obviously the Steelers didn't come out and say what the guarantee was. The one of the biggest um, you know, veiled um uh releases from Bell's agent last year was them trying to state that it was a ten million dollar guaranteed contract. It's a ten million dollars guaranteed, which is just a flat out lie. Um, that's not the way exactly. Steelers do contracts. And he, it, if you just mirror AB's contract from the year before, he got he got twenty. So you're, you're expecting right around twenty yeah. million to be signing bonus. And and then um, Maurice Jones-Drew, who's also a player under the same agents, and actually he's he's not playing anymore, but he still has the same agent. He did come out and state that he he did speak with the agent and that it was a twenty million dollar guaranteed. So it sounds like maybe it was if if they he wanted to be a truth teller or, or tell the truth and. In his way to kind of slant it against the Steelers, maybe it was a $10 million signing bonus with a $10 million roster bonus. Both are guaranteed. Honestly, you just show up and you yeah, get your roster bonus. Essentially, it was going to be a, a three-year contract where yeah. Bell was going to get $45 million guaranteed with the Steelers. And yeah. he only ended up with three years, $38 million with the Jets. And yeah. people want to argue that it's, you know, the Steelers' way was a one-year one contract essentially every year. But the same with the Jets. They could cut him next year and be out of it. 
yeah. it wouldn't make any difference. Other than having to uh, make sure that they paid the entire twenty-five that was guaranteed. I did see that that was a, that the twenty-five million over two seasons was guaranteed. So they would have a yeah, little exactly. bit. Of, so after two years, yeah, yeah it would be the same for the Steelers contract. Yes. And then the Steelers pay out 90, 90% of their contracts. Yeah. Their second contracts that they pay, give to their own players, they pay out 90% of them. And the only reason they haven't paid out 100% is because you've had guys like Lamar Woodley and Cortez Allen. Yeah. But, you know, Cortez Allen was just completely terrible. Yeah. Lamar Woodley, I think, grew too big for his, his muscles, his yeah. hamstrings. Just didn't, <laughs> he he could chose... not take how big of a man that guy was. Yeah, he chose to spend more time in the buffet line than uh, at the weight room. So that did that did impact him once yeah. he got his big contract and he, he got big as well. But um, yeah, I mean, it was still Woodley. They still paid him out like three years of his contract. But I mean, so, but I mean, at... there's no way that you're going to pay Bell all that money and you're going to release him in the prime of his career. Yeah, it, but, it's not going to happen. Look at you know, even if he got injured, they were still going to pay him just like Shazier. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to point out. Is Ryan Shazier got injured as well? They continued to pay him, and they continued. Where I thought going into last season, they they could have maneuvered to place um you know try to do a, a roster release but they didn't they they stuck to their guns they they stuck to their commitment they said they were going to pay him that that option his, his rookie fifth year option and they did they paid it in full um is there any word yeah. on Shazier uh getting a contract this season or being signed with the Steelers this season his his contract actually told uh yes. because he never came off of the PUP last year so he is good to go uh they announced that a little bit of, you know, a couple weeks ago, they announced that he is good to go. His contract was told to this year. I think it amounts to maybe uh, like eight hundred thousand okay. dollars that he'll make this season. Gotcha. And that he'll just remain on the the PUP list. Wow, and and that's fantastic because he's he's shown that essentially he's he's an on he's not only a motivating force and an inspiration to the players to the fans to anybody that's gone through you know that type of catastrophic injury. Um, but he's also shown that he's willing to be a positive, um, per, a positive force as well for the team to show, look, you know, the worst things can happen, but we're here to move forward. I want to make you guys better. He's like having an extra coach. He wants to help all the linebackers get better. He tells them what he sees. Of course, has a great relationship with Williams as well as inside linebackers. So that, in re- in a respect, having a, an extra coach for eight hundred thousand, I think it's good value, especially with the goodwill that he brings along with him. And he's never been an issue off the field; he's always been a positive force. So that's it, it's- oh, yeah. And they want to allow him to continue to get the treatment that he's been getting. I mean, he's doing box jumps the other day. Oh, that's fantastic! And the guy's just unbelievable. His <laughs> determination is, you know, un unseen. And. But- yeah. Definitely having him around is going to keep morale up for a team that really needs it at this moment. You know, somebody that everybody can look up to. You know, I think you, everybody from Joe Hayden to Ben Roethlisberger to anybody, they're all looking at what Ryan's done and you mm-hmm. know help them get through any adversity they have in their life. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And I, I know um, too. We discussed because one of the things I like to do is track injuries, and I I, I love to research injuries. I I just got to study. Um, study some um, uh, um, some medicine in, co- in college and in sports medicine as well as a trainer at college at University of Maryland, Baltimore County. But one of the interesting things that I th- I realized from the back surgery from Ryan Shazier, I thought it was a fusion. 
initially, and I, I didn't think he'd ever have a chance of playing football again. I thought he'd be able to walk, but um, what he actually had was spinal stabilization, where they actually take a mesh, a mesh wrap around the spinal cord, and it actually strengthens the spinal cord to be stronger than what it was while still maintaining flexibility. So in that respect, mm-hmm. I mean, if this guy can push through, the sky is the limit, really. And, and I don't see the his back being an issue if he chose to move forward with the stabilization uh, surgery. I, I know everybody would be on pins and needles with him every time he comes out to try to make a, a big hit or a big tackle. But at least that's one positive that you can glean from a spinal stabilization is that that injury is not going to occur at that point again. Uh, just be from the the nature of the repair, because it is now a stronger um, spot on his on his spine, and it and it won't it will not slide the way it did when it, when he was initially injured. That that's something that bothers me is when I see the people on social media and they <clears throat> they say that he shouldn't come back to play. I mean, yeah, no one wants to see him get injured, but that's his choice to play if he wants to play. And, that's what's the driving force behind him is he wants to play again. Yeah, he does. You know, whether I think he'll ever play again, I'm, I'm not so sure that he will. I'm not sure if the coordination and the, the speed will ever be there again. But, I mean, there's no talent with this guy. I mean, he's just done unbelievable stuff so far. So who's just, I'm not going to put a limit on him, and I'm not going to tell him. Uh, in my opinion, what he does is, doesn't matter because it's his. Yeah. And I think everybody should be that way. I think he's shown that. Everyone else's opinion doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what he thinks. And he's starting to make a lot of people shay leave. Honestly. The guy is just oh, yeah. unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable to watch. And and I, I I would love to see him step back on the field as a as a stealer. But uh but we'll have to see how he progresses and, and you know, this year's gonna be a telling year to, to see if he'd be able to come back the following season. Um, cause I think this is yep. the, the year that, that everything's starting to come back. He's getting his strength and he's going to be able to start, you know, really going full bore into everything by the, uh, by the end of this year. So, so we'll have to keep following that as well. I guess, um, one other thing I wanted to touch base on too, I'm not sure where you sit, um, also, but one of my other problems with the end of the year was the way that the coaching staff, uh, and the hirings and firings were kind of taken care of or not taken care of in the respect. And, you know, as a, as a fan, I'm, I may all have my own opinions. I'm obviously not a GM. I don't understand the inner workings or how these, these coaches get along with each other or don't get along with each other. But as a fan and as an analyst, what I've seen at least is, um, you know, our, our special teams was a huge issue. It started off great. Honestly, I, th- I thought in September last year we had the best coverage teams in the league. I loved how we were kicking short. We were forcing them to try to return it to the 25 when we were tackling people right around the 15-yard line, which was fantastic. But we seemed to get worse and worse as the season progressed, and I really don't understand how that decline happened, Um, especially with the new kickoff rules. The kickoffs now are essentially punt returns because you can't have more than two people working together on kickoff returns. So it's much tougher to, to have the big kickoff returns that we used to have in the past. Um, being able to have wedges and have uh, you know three people working together, so, so uh, the, the rules, it seems like they work to our favor initially, but then they kind of fa- fallen off the the edge as the season progressed. Barry had an up and down season. I thought he was fairly consistent as and got better as the season went on. He started a little loose, but uh, the worst was obviously our our field goal kicking. I mean that was just 
completely inconsistent last season. I mean, I, I can't really fault the special teams coach for how a whether or not a kick goes through the uprights or whether it goes through the uprights on a field goal or extra points, which we also had a lot of huge problems last season as well. Um, but what are your thoughts, at least on special teams, that you saw? And is there anything that the Steelers can do since they decided not to get rid of their special teams coach? Um, what would be? Your... I think Danny Smith should have Danny Smith should have been fired. I do too. Uh, before last season, yeah, he should have been fired. I thought, you know, the inconsistency across the board. You know, you can't fault him for Boswell missing field goals. And I don't. I don't fault yeah. the Steelers for not cutting Boswell after they gave him the big contract. It, you know, at least bring him back this season and see if he can figure it out. I mean, the guy was clutch. He should be able to figure it out. Obviously, he has a mental block or step he needs to get over. You know, we thought maybe towards the end of the season he was going to get there. Yeah. And he has a – his brother told me he had a an injured uh, groin, I think a grade grade two groin injury, yeah. I, I believe. Um, but, you know, as far as Jordan Berry goes, he's terrible. Uh the fact that they signed him is atrocious. Uh, there had to be somebody better. I assume they're, you know, they gave him a one-year deal essentially. So mm. I'm sure they're going to bring somebody in for competition in camp, somebody from college. Yeah. Uh, but there has to be something better than somebody better than him. But it, it looks like the Steelers, um, they focus on punts inside the 20. Yeah. And that's, that's, that, the, that's the one that's thing their he only does number really well. that, that, yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing he does well. He doesn't punt for distance. He doesn't punt for average, anything like that. He, yeah. He's not able to turn flip field position. I mean, how many times the Steelers have field position flipped on this year and yeah. couldn't get out of our own end? You know? Yeah. They're not that. Obviously, they like the inside the twenty punts, and like you said, he's good at that. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's what he's the best uh, at. Just, I mean, honestly, he doesn't get touchbacks. He gets very few. He's around two a season, one a season which is excellent, but you're yeah. right. I mean, he does have the potential. I mean, he had a 70-yarder 70, 70 last year, but, I mean, when he's shanking 35-yarders to go along with that 70-yarder, I mean, it, it drops his net That's average. I mean, it felt a, like he was – It's not a It's not a huge <laughs> – not a huge advantage. There's it, no advantage there whatsoever. It felt like he was down – it felt like he was down to his last kick yeah. every time, and he would boom a 70-yarder, mm. and then they would just say, all right, well, he gets another week because he hit this 70-yarder. Yeah. You know, I mean, he even Tomlin addressed him in his, you know, media availability, his press conferences. Yeah. Yeah, that's something he doesn't normally touch on special teams guys too often. But, yeah. I mean, I, obviously they was there. Like, they seen it and they were, you know, they were sick of it too, just like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I hear you. And uh, I guess the only other coach – I mean, there had to be somebody better than Danny Smith. I mean, he yells a lot and he does all this stuff and he's – and they like to show him on TV screaming and chewing his bubble gum and every other thing, but – yeah, you know, I, I don't. The special teams has been well. I, I don't. The special teams under Tomlin has not been good at all ever. Yeah, I no, mean, you're right. Can you think of a time that's been good under him? I mean, no, it wasn't I... that great under under. They've no. They've never had a good returner. They tried trading for Alan Rossum, you know, back in like oh seven. Yeah, you know, yeah, and he, he yeah. was like the last time they had somebody that could take it to the house besides Antonio. Antonio, and they just didn't want to use Antonio. And obviously, I understand that. Not wanting to have your star player out there on punts, but. Antonio was the I best. Look at our kick returners. Yeah, we've had oh, Isaac Redman, Najee Davenport. The guys return our kicks. We can't get a better kick returner. Yeah, yeah, and, and his unwillingness too to have defensive players kind of come in that did it in college, not even give him a chance, and and to try to do it in the pros, is is kind of a head yeah. scratcher to me. Um, but I I know his his mindset is number one: don't turn the ball over on special teams. 
and that is one thing the Steelers do really well. Uh, Switzer's done a better job. It's nice to see him. You know, at least he's quick. He's agile. He hits. He, he runs forward quickly and hits hits it hard as soon as he gets the ball. Um, I think he only muffed one yeah. last year, but he jumped back on top of it um, and got the got the recovery. So uh, so yeah, it's it's. You, but you're right. We have not had a real returner. I mean, Rod Woodson is probably the best returner we've yeah. had, and we got to go back into the yeah. '90s for that. But yeah, Antonio Brown. We first. Yeah, started I mean, Antoine Randall had his moments. Yeah, he well, he made a Pro Bowl. His yeah. was it his rookie year as a returner or his second year as a returner? I, mm. I can't remember. But it, he he I'm early in his sure career, he did make the Pro Bowl as a returner, and then you know, obviously, started becoming a starter once uh once some positions started opening up on and and the wide receiver positions on offense. Um, yeah, and my, my yeah, I'd gladly take Rod Woodson. Oh gosh, that guy! <laughs> we could get him back. Oh my lord, <laughs> to, to to see a guy that was that good on defense, shut down corner, excellent kick returner, and even throwing him in on offense, he could he could do it all. That guy was just amazing to watch. <laughs> yeah, he's one. He's probably my all time favorite player as a Steeler. I, I just loved watching him. Oh play. yeah, they messed up with letting him go. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, honestly, it's it's. At the time, people didn't recover from ACLs, and uh, they yeah, well, I mean, it was, was over. He and, was, yeah. or, he didn't want to move to safety, and they wanted to move him to safety, and then he played another year at corner, and then he moved to safety. And yeah, yeah I think if you ask Roddy, would agree he made a mistake too. I think it was yeah, Mr. Rooney and him being both being hard headed, but yeah, but it, it was what it was. Obviously, uh, the other aspect, I guess, on coaching that I had a big problem with was. Uh, not releasing the defensive coordinator. I mean, Butler, for the second year in a row, ended on a downtrend. Um, obviously, you know, we had trouble stopping anything on defense. And to me, I, I honestly think we have the athleticism and the speed on defense to be able to play against any team in the league. The problem now, it just appears to be scheme, or the scheme appears to be too difficult for the younger players to 100% grasp. Uh, because they just end up being in the wrong position, in the wrong place, or taking the wrong ang- taking the wrong person, or taking the wrong zone, um, misreading uh, who they're supposed to release and who they're supposed to release to to which zone when. That they just get confused, and and you know, good quarterbacks just tear them up. Um, you know, whereas you have a, somebody like a Greg Williams, who honestly he just lost his job too because Cleveland Browns can't keep coaches for longer than three years, longer than two years now it seems. And um, just anywhere that guy goes, he immediately makes the defensive better because of scheme. It doesn't matter who's on that defense. That defense is going to pop up and be in the top half or in the top 10 every time he changes to a new defense. Now he's – did he sign with the Jets? Is that where he is now? Yeah. yeah. Yep, he's with the Jets. So watch the Jets this season. Honestly, they're going to have a better defense this season than they had last season, and it's going to be marketably better. Um, so I'm, I'm – I think I just think their their Keith Butler defense needs that middle linebacker that's a hybrid and yeah they finally got one going with Ryan yeah you know, and it was and working when he got Ryan. hurt that was yeah. it yeah and it it took a while for Ryan to get to that point because he'd been injured a little bit yeah the first couple of years he was finally playing healthy and you know he was the playmaker they need that playmaker in the middle look at all the games that yep. before he got hurt yep. he changed they would have lost to the Colts that year two years ago. He makes an interception. They score a touchdown off the interception. Yep. You know, there's a couple of times he just makes big plays, and then you don't have that anymore. And then 
The Steelers yeah. dropped like 12 interceptions last year. Yeah, they did. And Sean Davis yeah. dropped like four or five of them. Mm. I mean, you have to make these plays when they hit you in the hands. Yeah. His defense is starved for turnovers. And then you've got quarterbacks who's given it to them and they just drop them. Yeah. Now, even Joe Hayden was guilty a couple of times, the ones that hit him right in the hands. Yeah. And and that's the difference. And they, that's it, it's the difference yeah. not only not being able to get those turnovers on defense, but turning the ball over at the wrong point on offense as well was a killer last year as well. I mean, you had a big fumble at the end of the game with um, with Connor that cost a game. You had a big fumble with Juju that cost a game. I mean, I'm not faulting the players for trying to gain extra yards and trying to make plays. It's it's just unfortunate that these turnovers happened at the wrong points of the game that turned what could have been a victory into a loss. And that ended up being the difference I think of the just, season. It, I think it evens out from year to year. If you look at yeah. the, the 13 and three year in 2017, mm-hmm. you know, they could have easily been nine and six that year. And then, you know, last year, some of the bad things happened and you go, yeah. you know, were they eight, seven and one or yeah. Yep. That what it was or nine, no, nine, six nine, and one. Nine, six and were. one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nine, six, one. But I mean, it's just the way it goes, I guess sometimes and the, the games went down to Boswell and he made all them kicks. In 17, he missed all yep. of them in 18. It's pretty right. remarkable. But You're right. Yeah, that's I mean, why he got that, that big contract. I mean, they signed him because he, he came off a Pro Bowl year. He was there. There's three games, four games that that were one off of his foot. So, yeah, yeah you, you pay the yarders, guy. And, yeah. Yeah, 50 yeah. plus. Yeah, then it's finally have a, a stealer kicker that can hit a 50-yarder. It's, it's awesome to see. <laughs> yeah, at Heinz Field. At Heinz Field. Yeah, no, yeah. that's, yeah, yeah. He's probably the only kicker that can hit 50-yarder there, it seems. It seems like anything over 47 yards is tough to do. But now, actually, as a fan that I've noticed going to games, it seems like it's become slightly easier to kick in Heinz Field now that they've closed in the open end of the stadium with some seats. It doesn't seem like they get that wind tunnel effect coming off the water anymore. Uh, from the open end. Of the well, stadium. I think part of it was how bad the turf was at the beginning. I, I'm yeah. sure you were at that playoff game and yeah, O2 against the Browns, and oh, they yeah. came out at halftime and were were painting the field green. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, because they had to cover the dirt from the games pre. They yeah, had all the uh, high school games that occurred yeah, was... before then, and that was the same season. I think that the punt stuck in the ground when they played Miami. Was it that year or the year after? No, that was late. That oh, was, was late. No, that was in the uh, yeah, that was like oh seven or oh six, I think. So yeah, yeah that month right. it was the hurricane. Yep, Hur- <laughs> the hurricane. Yeah, and that's and from, yeah, no, from that, that point on, at least they went to the hybrid grass, and the, the the field's been it's actually been a good field for the past five years. Oh yeah, the field's been great. And yeah. Plus they've been resodding it after the WDIAL yeah. championship games that they play there in November. Yes. That's why the Steelers don't get any home games in November. Yeah. If you notice, there <laughs> yes. might be one at the beginning. Yep. They get one right at the all beginning. October. Yeah. Yeah. They just get they get us at the September ones where it's 80 degrees out. Yeah. And then the ones in December where it's 10 degrees out. Yeah. It's tough to get that field to recover then too. Oh yeah. Especially you have you have Pitt Panthers playing on the same field too. But you know, honestly, I think that that's a way uh, a, a football field should be. You know, you spend that kind of money on a on a football field. Steelers made sure, like, not only the Steelers play there, but, you know, Pitt Panthers play there for college football, and then you have all of the high school championship games there as well. I mean, that's just fantastic. I mean, you, you try yeah, to get, they get some, some soccer games there, too. Yeah, and you get some hockey games there every once in a while, and some outdoor games, and <laughs> got some concerts yes. there. It's, it's a well-used venue, but I, I'm just glad that as a football field that it's used for more football than just the Steelers. So that's uh, that's really well done, well done by the Steelers. Cool. So, is there um, anything else that you want to touch base with on the off season? Anything else that's um, uh, um, you know kind of hitting you as a Steeler fan? 
I think pretty much everybody's turned on Antonio Brown. You're seeing guys like Justin Reed from the, the Texans said he he respects Antonio Brown or he doesn't respect him. I guess he can't wait to can't wait to hit him. <laughs> one of these times I'm not sure yeah. when we play the Texans next. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, I think Eric Weddle went on a tangent towards him, and you yeah. know just a lot of stuff. I think. And where's Antonio Brown's where's Weddle in for now? Awakening. Because Weddle was in. He Baltimore. is with the Rams. Oh wow. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, the Rams. Gotcha. So I think Antonio is in for a rude awakening when he's playing for an organization like Oakland. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's an organization that's, that's shown that they do not stand by their players. They will jettison players in a heartbeat and trade people away whenever they can. So, uh, you know, you're right. I think he is for, in for a rude awakening in, the, in one of the worst situations where he could have been traded to. Well, great. Uh, well, thanks a lot, Justin. Hey, I, I appreciate you taking your time out from being a new dad to be able to join us on the call today. It was great having you. And yeah, I no problem. Love the conversation, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll touch base here on the draft pretty soon for everybody. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover on that, and mm-hmm. make sure everybody's checking out SteelerNation.com because we have a lot of draft profiles coming out usually around Friday, Saturday, the end of the week, and Perfect. you can check out all the past ones. I think they've been coming out for about a month and a half now. Perfect. Yes, Steeler fans, make sure you come over to SteelerNation.com for the best news and football forum on the internet. Make sure to tweet us at SteelerNation or Instagram us at SteelerNation.com, C-O-M. Thanks for joining the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stoney's Brewing. I'm G. Stryker with Justin McGonigal, rooting with you as always, win or lose. Go Steelers!